All right, well, let's learn some things how God renovates and makes better relationships. First Chronicles chapter 12. First Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 16, just read a few verses, but I got to set this up. It's been one of the greatest strains nationally and personally in Egypt. The first king, Saul, was made king. Three years later, he was rejected. Samuel, in a treasonous act, but by the hand of the Lord, anoints young David, a teenager. David is going to, by the hand of God, be in the house of Saul, bringing him peace because he's a great musician. Then they find out, wow, the first ever, the musician who can fight. So now they've got King David rising, there's, but there's turmoil quickly and jealousy. And from that moment on, there's so much division. And, you know, you've read the stories and, and uh, even the kingdom is some with David, some with Saul. So finally, Saul and, and Jonathan have died. And King David has just been anointed king in both places. And renovations have the possibility of happening. But there are always flies in the ointment. There are always things that come against your ability and desire for unity. Unity is every Christian's desire. Oh, that the peace of God would rule and reign in our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Oh, that like the oil that ran down on Aaron's beard. Oh, how good and pleasant is that brethren dwell together in unity. These godly, wonderful relationships. In fact, the world will know that you're mine by the love you have one for another. So it's ripe, it's poised, but oh, it could go either way in this story. But if we were left to ourselves, we would be undone. Oh, but God is with us. So here we go. First Chronicles 12, 16. Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. He's just taken this place. He will set up his earthly kingdom here, which will be a picture of the eternal kingdom. He will set it up here, and two tribes come to him, Benjamin and Judah. Now the problem is, the previous king was from the tribe of Benjamin. So these are relatives of who? Saul, who's died, who tried to kill David. The relatives of the former king have come to him. Oh, what do they want? Verse 17, and David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, if you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with yours. Your Bible may say knit together as one. But if to betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. You can just feel the tension in this. As soon as I read this, I have, I have issues in my mind. God's helping me. I went to one of those old westerns where the two people walk in the town, they don't know each other, and the music starts. And they stare each other down. You don't know, is this good guy or bad guy? And they're reaching for those six shooters and they're staring at each other. That's the picture here. It's, it's tense. Oh, wait a minute. You for me are against me. What's going on here? I added that one. That's not in the Bible, in the original Hebrew. So you see the intense, the high tension. Oh, this relationship, it's about to, we're about to go right back into war and we just got peace. 
That is the worst, right? You just get over a fight with your spouse, and then you go, oh, never mind. Okay. Verse 18. <laughs> then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Amasa, chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the troop. What in a supernatural story here. From grabbing our six shooters to unity and you're going to be in charge of my people. This is a huge relationship renovation. This is a major shift and change. Let's learn some things from the word of God. So rich in just these few verses here. You've got notes. Let's look at this. Verse 17, the first words of David. And David went out and met them and answered and said, If you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. My heart will be united with you if you got right motives. If you're for me, not against me. If you really love me. That's really what he's saying. Do you actually... Do you really love me? Do you love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because he put me here, not me. Do you really love me? Do you have pure motives in what you're doing? This is is what we have to live in. Oh, the world is deficient of this and needs this. Number one on your notes. Only pure motives produce healthy relationships. In young David's life, because he's still fairly young at this time, he has seen plenty of betrayal, plenty of double talk. Isaiah wrote it, but he could have said it. These people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He understood there's only one way we're going to renovate this fledgling kingdom that has enemies all around, and we're going to have to have pure motives. David said, look, my heart's clean before God and before man. Is that where you are? Because unless two agree, they can't walk together, right? Pure motives in our lives produce healthy relationships. We don't put expectations where people have to prove something. That's why I say all the time here, you don't have anything to prove. If you come in here and and remember this church and you feel like, i got to prove something. I I have to do this or do... That is going to get us all in a heap of mess. We have pure motives before the living God with each other and with Him. Amen? Pure motives. Motives is what is going to produce a healthy relationship. David knew this. And he said, we can't fix this. We can't renovate Israel without pure motives. We've got to start right there. He said this and he prayed this in his life. Let's read one of these prayers. He prayed it many times. Psalm 139, 23. Psalm 139, 23. Words of David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, because it's the hardest to keep pure motives when we got fear or anxieties, things that are frustrating us in our life. Verse 24, and see if there be anything unpure in me, anything, any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting, in the way of purity. That's the way he said it. Peter also said it. 
And it's amazing that he said it because he struggled with pure motives more than any of the other disciples, I think, except for Judas. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1.22. Since, because of Christ, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not of anything impure, because our salvation is perfect and pure, because it's Him. It's the King of glory. It's Christ's blood. Not of uncorruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Purity, Peter is saying, is what's going to give pure motives in our life. Let me tell you about, about pure motives. This is what's amazing about them. They are the most attractional thing you will find on this planet. Look at the life of Christ. How in the world will children hanging all over him? Why? Pure motives. Why were people so attracted to him? Yes, he's the son of God, all those things. But think about his daily life, his daily words and actions in dealing with people. He just, in him, there was no shadow of turning. He was sinless. These pure motives are the most attractional thing in this, on this planet. Amen? All right. And that's where David starts the relationship renovation with the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. All right, let's go back to 1 Chronicles. Let's look at this. The second part of verse 17. He says, is, this, is your heart with me? Are your motives right? But if to betray me to my enemies... Since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Now, this is a funny statement for the king to say. The king is all powerful. And at this point, he has united the kingdom and he's in charge. It's not like he's not in charge yet. He has. He is. He's been anointed by Hebron. He's been anointed everywhere. So Benjamin and Judah come to him and he says, look, my hands are pure. My, hand, my, my heart's right, but if you come to betray me, then I'll chop your head off. That's not what he says. The all-powerful king doesn't say that. What does he say? May the God of our fathers look, and I'm going to let him take care of it. I have all the power and the authority. I have the legal right if you betray me, that's called treason. And I will hang you from the gallows. Nope. He says, I'm going to let God deal with it. Oh, I can't believe David is, is this broken and this godly. This is why. Most of his life, all he's known is what? Betrayal. Backstabbing. His father-in-law. Uh, we talked last week. His covenant friend, Jonathan. Theologically, most probably betrayed him. Or two weeks ago, we talked about that. And still, still he says, I'm not going to badmouth. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to let God be in charge of this. Oh. Number two on your notes. 
Let God be in charge of the relationship fears in your life. Come on, who's been done wrong? You don't have to raise your hand. Who's been said wrong about? Who's been betrayed? Who's been hurt? Yep, we've all been there, right? Even if you had the power, that's why God limits our power, we would probably do bad things. (laughs) Yep. He had it all, and this is the Christ type figure, right? He becomes a type of Christ in this statement. I'm going to let God be the judge over you. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. It's a beautiful picture of how to deal with relationships. I'm not going to, I'm going to let God convict you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work on you. I'm not, I'm going to let God be in charge of all the fears, right? If something happened in the past, we think maybe it could happen in the future. I'm going to let God be in charge of all these fears and let him make the decisions. And we don't ever, this is a beautiful thing about David. He doesn't let any fears dictate his life or his, his decision-making. He knows that'll be detrimental to happen. Look at the way James says it in James 1. James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Therefore... Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, I mean, he's going to do it right here, David is, and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. David just didn't do that. He worked so hard at that pure heart and to let the Lord deal with his fears in his life. That's a beautiful thing. That's a way to stay free from the entanglements of the world. All right, let's come back to our story in 1 Chronicles. So they're standing there. They have come, uh, Benjamin and Judah. David has said his thing. It's still very tense. And David doesn't know what's going to happen next. These people don't know what's going to happen next. Both of them are standing there with the lack of ability, with no ability to really, to truly say, okay, we can be united in heart. Neither one of them, "Ah, I don't know how this is going to work. This is the beautiful picture here. Then the Spirit came. I love this. Then the Spirit came. Wait, wait, the Spirit, this is like First Chronicles. There's just been fighting and battle. Then the Spirit came. What? These, guys, these two guys got hands on their six shooters. They're trying to figure out what's going on. It's a bunch of men. It's, the Spirit came in the middle of this? What? Then the Spirit came upon a mesa. This is such a beautiful picture of God. It doesn't matter my ability. It doesn't matter how good I can fight or this or that. I have to have you. You know, Amasa, I'm going to tell you, he was praying on the way to, to David. And we know David was a man of prayer. 
They were both coming in faith and trusting God. Oh, God, I don't know how this is going to work. You're going to have to fix this relationship. It's been disunity and fighting and all of these problems. Then the Spirit came upon a mason, like out of nowhere. In the text, we don't have anyone praying here. But you know these were God-fearing men. And anytime we fear the Lord and we say, God, we need you, boom, the Lord comes. Number three on your notes. The Holy Spirit wants to empower your relationships. He wants to be the X factor. He wants to be the one that changes everything. He wants to empower it. We're getting ready to watch a video. We were doing a marriage class right in the middle of it um, on Wednesday nights. It's a really good Jimmy Evans so he tells a little story, and he had a horrible uh, marriage when he first got married, and they get almost divorced, and he's kind of one of the premier speakers on marriage. He does marriage today, a ministry, a, a, a TV show. So Jimmy Evans is going to tell you a little story about how God came into his life, and it changed his relationships. Let's watch this. used to bully Karen verbally. After I repented, I would say something to Karen, and I would become forceful with her. And one time, Karen said to me, "Jimmy, I wish I wish that I could just take a recording of what you say and play it back to you, and you would realize the way you talk to me." And, and I, this, this is what I said: "I don't talk to you bad. I don't. I don't agree with that." And I was having a quiet time one morning, and in an instant of time, the Lord healed me. I was having a quiet time one morning, and I read Ephesians five, and it said, "Jesus washes the water." washes his bride in the washing of water with the word. And I saw in my heart Jesus with this water pouring it over my head, and I was filthy. I was a filthy bride. And what I knew in an instant of time is Jesus was so patient and gentle with me, and he was not in a hurry to clean me up, and it would take a lifetime. Jesus was so precious the way he was washing me with the word. And the next thing that I saw was me with a fire hose hosing Karen down. And she was all blown back, you know, and I was just sitting there. And the Lord said to me, Jimmy, I'm patient and kind in the way that I communicate with you. And you're forceful with Karen because you don't have any faith in me. And that day I walked into the kitchen, and this was in the house that we lived in before we lived in the house we live in now. And um, I walked in the kitchen, and I was frustrated with Karen about something. And I walked in the kitchen, and typically I would have been forceful. And I said, hey, Karen, this and this and this. And she said, okay. And I said, is it okay? Did you, you understand what I'm talking about? Yes, Jimmy, I understand what you're talking about. Okay. What, does that mean you're going to change it? Are you going to do something about it? I'm going to tell you. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And I walked out, and she's frustrated, and I'm frustrated. That would be me typically. That day I walked in, I said, hey, this and this and this. And she said, okay. And I said, okay. And I hugged her and walked out. That was not me. And then I started doing that regularly. So several days later, she said, I noticed what you're doing. And I like it. The difference between the old Jimmy and the new Jimmy is the new Jimmy had faith that if what I was saying was right, that God would be the enforcer. Jimmy was not a good husband. He wasn't great relationships, and he's very clear on this in his videos. But I love the way he says it. In an instant of time, doing his quiet time, in an instant of time, he had a, you know, when God speaks, he may give you a picture of something or a word or a phrase. And it, it's not like human speaking. It, it speaks on a multiplicity of levels. Like, you know, if I say have a good day, it, 
it, you know, it, it means something. If God says, have a good day, it, it just, it's so huge when he says it. It means so much. So he speaks this little thing. He shows Jimmy this, the Spirit of the Lord came and changed everything. It just changed everything in a moment of time, in an instant. The Holy Spirit wants to empower our relationships like that also. Do we need this? We need this. We need this in our lives. Let's keep looking here. Verse 18. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Amasa, chief of the captains, and he said. I was thinking about that. So why, Lord? Why did you come upon Amasa? Why did you come upon him? Well, there's a lot of people there. Why is he the only one named? This is a, not the entire tribe, but this is a large group of some from Benjamin, some from Judah. Judah was a huge tribe. You can name one guy, him and David. And this is a huge list throughout 12 of different stories and how God brought them all together. And he just has this little snippet right here. I'll tell you why. All right, this is my opinion, and this is going to be point four. (laughs) Amasa was chief of the captains. He had already been serving and leading. He had already been doing with and doing and doing and doing. It is much easier to turn a car and to move it that's already rolling, right? Try to find one that's not moving in that car. It's going to be hard, hard. The reason I'm here is because someone told me to straighten the chairs and clean the youth room every Wednesday when I was 18. That's what they told me to do. I said, you want me to straighten the chairs and vacuum the floors? That's what I want you to do. All right, I'll do that. And I'm just going to keep doing and keep doing. And when the Lord says, do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep going. And I'm year after year, week after week. That's why it was Amasa, the chief of the captains. Number four in your notes. Take a greater responsibility for the people in your life. Amasa took the top. He said, I'll serve them. I'll be responsible for them, right? Is that what the leader is? I'll be responsible. I'll take the responsibility for this. You want God to do renovation in your life? I do. I want want better relationships. I'm not satisfied with them. I'm not satisfied even with us and we shouldn't be until we are shining like a light on a hill, even greater, right? And God gives us more influence and we can influence more people. Take a greater responsibility for the people in your life. You know, Mother Teresa, we hear so much about her. She's, when she had um, all, everything she did in India with the orphans. Why does everyone celebrate Mother Teresa so much? It's simple. She took an overwhelming responsibility for something that no one cared about. An overwhelming responsibility, like her whole life, 40 years plus, for something no one cared about. Orphans in India. Right? And that's why we celebrate her for the things she did like that. Take a greater responsibility for the people in your life. Look at this one scripture here that Jesus says so perfectly, just a little snippet of the Sermon on the Mound, Matthew 5, 41. Very famous scripture, just verse 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. 
Jesus is giving, obviously, the greatest sermon ever spoken. He's giving all these examples. And he just says that little snippet. Where the reason it was so powerful for the people who were hearing it then is because Rome dominated the world. And everyone, the Jews and anyone else who was not a Roman citizen, by law, was compelled to do what the Romans did. Specifically, if the Romans said, you have to pick that basket up and carry it, by law, they were compelled to do it for one mile. That's what they had to do. What That was the law. Jesus said, this is the law. Now you go too. You know what Jesus was saying? This is the law. You live in grace. This is the law. You live in undeserved favor. That's the definition of grace. He was really just teaching the gospel of grace. The gospel of taking greater responsibility. Is he not the perfect example in that? Oh, God who loved us and gave himself for us, take greater responsibility. All right, let's look at one more here. So the Spirit of the Lord comes. This is words that come from not this man, from the Spirit of God coming out of him. Just like when you pray in the Spirit or God gives you a word or you've heard that before or someone reading the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord comes and he proclaims just a, little, just a, few, a couple little sentences there. What does he say? Right? What does the Spirit of the Lord say? The first words out of Amasa's mouth. We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. We are yours, David. O David, we are on your side, O son of Jesse. I understand that I'm a Benjamite. I understand you have these fears with Saul, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're the leader. God's put you there. I understand what's going on here. This is the Lord's doing. It's great in our sight. He says, we're yours. Number five on your notes, lastly. Loyalty is the goal of a spirit-led life. Is this the spirit of, the God, of God speaking out of him? Right? What's the first words he says? Loyalty. I'm going to be faithful to God and I'm going to be faithful to you. We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. He doesn't only say that because, you know, it's easy to, uh, to follow the leader, to say, hey, I'm with you. He keeps going. He says, peace, peace to you. And I'm going to tell you, peace to your helpers. Even these unnamed helpers, I'm going to be with them too. That's, you, you want to know why David put this guy in charge of those precious souls? Do you know why? Because he said, I'm not only saying this to you, David. I'm saying it's a little bitty private way back in the back who's scared. Even that guy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to him. And David said, oh, I've been waiting for you. Come here. You're going to be in charge of them. I can trust you over these people. Loyalty is the goal of a spirit-led life. That's a wonderful statement. Don't we want the spirit-led life? Let's connect it with the beautiful, practical statement of loyalty. It is the goal of a spirit-led life. I'm going to show you why. Turn 
a few uh, to the next book, Second Chronicles 16. Second Chronicles 16. Wonderful little story, ends with a very famous passage, but you need to understand the story. Second Chronicles 16, 7. This is, we fast forward, Asa's king, he's a, he's a godly king, he's trusting the Lord, but not at all times. He's, he's had a wonderful battle, and then he stopped trusting God, and some things fell apart. So it says, at this time, Hanani, the seer, or that's another word for prophet, The seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians, the battle he just fought before, were the Ethiopians and the Lumba not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, this is what David's doing, this is a picture of what we've been reading in 1 Chronicles, he delivered them out of your hand. Look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run, are running, are looking throughout the whole earth, are looking everywhere. They run to and throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal. Loyalty is the nature of our God and Savior, right? Loyalty is the nature of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came out of this man talking to David and said, we're yours. I'm going to have a spirit-led, a spirit-held attribute of loyalty, just like God. His eyes are roaming everywhere. I love this quote. It's right there on your notes. There is one character quality that God looks for that rises above most others. It is loyalty. God is on a global hunt, according to this scripture we just read, for people with loyalty. Loyalty is one of the greatest spiritual commodities in God's value system. Mm. You read that when you just want to go, mm, let me just think about that. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, looking to strengthen, for they had the Spirit of the Lord rise up like a mesa for loyalty. I found a couple pictures because I was thinking about the word loyalty, loyalty. You don't have to say it out loud. Think about it. What's the first thing that comes in your mind when I say the word loyalty? Just think about it. Loyalty. What's the first picture comes to your mind? This is the ones. Now I have my mind's a little different. <laughs> this is the one I thought of. It's not that all. <laughs> Didn't a dog come to your mind? A dog came to my mind. And no cat came to my mind. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you're cat people, I'm not against you. I love you. Okay, Jesus, Jesus. But the last animal I would have thought of was a cat. The first one I thought of is man's best friend. It really isn't that the de- isn't a dog the definition of loyalty. I'm telling you, that dude's jumping into some uncharted waters, and I wouldn't have followed him. But that dog did. Now, this next one, it is not spiritual. I'm going to preface this. It's just really funny and makes me think of loyalty. Watch this one right here. 
loyalty. A dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than he loves himself. Even when you're asleep, you got to look at the lady sleeping, the toaster catches on fire. See the toaster right there on fire. The grim reaper is at the door. He's coming after you. Who's the one person who's still got your back? Fido. Fido's got the grim reaper by the hand, and Fido's for you. He's with you. That is a picture of loyalty right there. I love that picture. I laughed. Don't ever come in here when I'm doing a study. I'm in there talking to myself and laughing, and like, oh, my goodness, this pastor, he's got problems. There's no one here. He's laughing out loud. Loyalty is the goal of a spirit-led life. I tell you, when the Spirit of the Lord came on that man, he says, we're yours. That is some Jesus stuff right there. Come on. Let's stand up. One more scripture here. We'll read it standing. That was a sermon. I don't know. I just, Fido was really impactful. Touched my heart. Moved me. (laughs) Come on, kiddos. What's up? We're so glad you're here. We got a little into our service we're going to do. Right after we finish. Let's put that last scripture up in Hebrews. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is what's so great about that scripture. That's a quote from Deuteronomy. Way back. You have to go thousands of years back in history to see when that first came out in Deuteronomy. Then it's being quoted thousands of years going forward in history in Hebrews. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. God's people proclaimed it in Deuteronomy. God was faithful and loyal throughout all of time and history. Then the writer of Hebrews says, I'm just going to tell you, we can boldly say we serve this God who's so loyal beyond comprehension. He will never leave me or forsake me. Oh, Lord, if you can do this, if this is the nature of God, you will renovate every relationship in my life, every issue I'm struggling with personally, privately. Come on. I can boldly say the Lord changes relationships in my life. Think about it in that context. Put that scripture back up one more time. The next verse. We can boldly say the Lord is the one who's going to change the situation in my life. The Lord is the one who can change my relationships, who can make it, who can change everything. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, that sounds like David too, doesn't it? I love it. You know why? The Spirit of the Lord always, he sounds the same. (laughs) He has one language. All right, let's spend a couple minutes with Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, kids, for being here. Whatever pictures or struggles or relationship issues have come into your mind. We're going to bring those to the King Jesus right now. The one who doesn't leave us or forsake us. Bring them right now. What, what is it? Oh, I wish this would change. I don't like my parenting. I don't like this. I, I got issues at work. Let's bring them all to Jesus. He's big enough. 
Come on, if he can take Benjamin and Judah, a war-torn country, relationships that are fearful, covenants that had been broken, covenants had been broken in David's life, the highest form of an earthly contract, but God was greater than that. God was greater than that. see, Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin and Saul betrayed David. And David said, Lord, I I got nothing here. So he brought Jonathan and Jonathan betrayed David of the tribe of Benjamin. Lord, I don't know who, Lord. So then God says enough, I'll do it. And he brings the tribe of Benjamin and by the spirit of the Lord, he knits Benjamin's heart those people with David's. And if you continue reading, that covenant that was made right here, it actually lasts past David's lifetime. Where Saul and Jonathan had broken David's heart, betrayed him twice in his lifetime before he's 40, that covenant that this right here lasted way after David was dead. That's God's stuff right there. Come on. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let's all come to him. Lord, we come to you right now. We bring you our lives. We bring you every relationship, every hurt, every difficulty. We lay it at the foot of the cross. We decide right now we will not live in fear. We will not make decisions out of fear or hurt of the past. We hand it all over to you right now. Spirit of the Lord, have your way, rule and reign. We thank you that you are bringing godly, wonderful relationships that are birthed even by the Spirit of God into everyone's life here. Oh, yes, even these young children's life. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are doing renovations, changes in our lives, in our relationships. We're full of faith. We know you're going to do it. We hold on to your word. You are good. You are faithful. In the name above every name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Now give him praise. Give him praise. He alone is worthy.